this here show like i said we are going to go over an adp price check kind of kind of see where everything is sitting right now we're going to be using four for fours adp uh like i I think we've noted before it's six different sites that they take data from so kind of get an aggregate there get get some different opinions across some different places so we're going to start off with the quarterback position Robbie, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Who uh, who is someone that you want to talk about with their ADP? Yeah, I think I'm going to buck the trend a little bit here because every podcast I think I listen to, and I'm sure most of them, always advocate for wait, wait, wait on QB, draft QB, tenth round or later. You know, they they're not about the early round QB, and I agree with that for for a lot of reasons. But I think this year we have a player that's going a little bit later than, you know, the, the top two, three rounds that I think can finish as a, as a guaranteed top three quarterback, if not push for the number one quarterback. And that's Dak Prescott this year. And I think if you just look at last year alone, people underestimate how how good of a year he actually had because they try and I think they try and put actual, you know, Cowboys production on there and they forget to separate the fantasy out of there. I mean, Dak had 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns to go along with, you know, 350 yards and was ended, ended up being QB2 and actually paced out per game as QB3 just behind Lamar and Deshaun Watson. And so if you just have that as a baseline with Amari Cooper banged up a little bit, Michael Gallup, you know, out for a couple weeks, 53-year-old Jason Witten, you know, running routes out there, um, you know, I just think that with the, with an increase of CeeDee Lamb, you know, kind of rounding out that trio of wide receivers, a healthy Cooper, you have Blake Jarwin, who's an obvious upgrade over Jason Witten. I just think that the, the sky's the limit now for, for Dak, so who was already a QB2, uh, three on a, on a weekly basis. And then, you know, on top of that, you add in the defense that got a little bit worse. They're, they're going to have to pass more. Like, they lost Robert Quinn. They lost Byron Jones, their top corner and their top – uh, well, not their top rusher, but he had the most sacks last year. And so they're, they're going to struggle a little bit more on defense. There's a lot of new faces. I think they have four new starters. So they're, they're going to have these growing pains. And so, yeah, if you just add all that up together, I think Dak is locked up in that top three um, QB. He's, he's not in this QB tier that we're currently drafting him at in the fourth round. We're drafting him around Watson, Wilson, uh, Murray, you know, in the fourth and fifth round. And I think that is is – just too low for a quarterback that I, in my opinion, should be a top three lock and in, in, in could be two or quarterback one. So I think at, at middle of the fourth, late in the fourth, and even early fifth in some drafts, that is just a really good position to just lock up. You don't have to stream the position. You don't have to play around with who's got the better start. You no know, plug and play. Don't worry about it. Set it and forget it. Kev, what are your thoughts on the, on the early quarterback approach? Right now, Dak is going at – 407 according to 444 and like Robbie said right after that at 409 is Russ Wilson and Deshaun Watson is going at 410 are you going to be willing to pull a trigger on Dak in the in the fourth toward the toward the end of the fourth there no I mean listen I love I love Dak like and I have Dak ranked like I think I have my QB2 uh I actually have him ahead of Lamar Jackson um so I'm expecting a little bit of regression for Lamar Jackson but I think they're all in the same tier I think they should all be in the same tier and I think that's fair um, I think that's a very fair point. I have no problem with that. But Patrick Mahomes is being overdrafted. Lamar Jackson is being overdrafted. 
And I, I will never, ever draft a quarterback before probably the sixth round. Like, it will never happen. Like, if, if Dak were to fall to the sixth, fine. I'd, I'd love that. But there's no way I would ever draft a quarterback in the fourth round. Uh, it's just it just doesn't make any sense. I think the the position, you know, that's what we're looking for. Like, there's still not a huge difference between Dak at, at QB three and, and and really getting Russell Wilson or uh, a couple of these other guys like Matt Ryan that's going later, or even Matt Stafford who was a top five quarterback through the first eight weeks last year, who's going almost in the tenth round. So to me, it just, it just doesn't add up, and I, I would never do it. Um, uh, if people do, and people are going to, uh, fine. Uh, it's not as bad as taking obviously Lamar or Patrick Mahomes in the in the second or in the you know early third, but still, like it's just there. Those positions there are so valuable because for me, how I want to run a draft and how I how I want to draft is, I really really want that late that late for you know the, picking in the back half of the first round, like picking tenth, eleventh, like twelfth, like for me that is like the nut spot. Because I then I can draft, you know, I, I can go and get my two running backs that I really want there in those spots, whether it's Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, or Kenyon Drake. Like getting one of those two. And then I can snag I can go wide receiver for the next three, four rounds. Because I have my two workhorse backs that I got that I, that now I'm I'm happy with. And now I just hammer wide receiver for four rounds. And then I might consider, you know, a sixth, seventh round, depending on where my team looks, depending on the roster construction setups and everything like that, that I would maybe consider a quarterback. But I, I have never drafted a quarterback before the 10th round, ever. I normally draft a quarterback in the 14th or 15th round. Like, there is, the position is just so deep. Like, even once you get to QB 20, 21, 22, 23, like, I still feel pretty good about a lot of those guys that are going there. And so the the point difference between them, between the QB 20 and the QB 12 is usually not that much in terms of ADP at the end of the day. And so I, I, I just can't justify ever taking a quarterback that early. Yeah, just to, to quickly rebuttal on that. I mean, we're talking about, you know, four points per game between Kyler and Dak last year, and they're going right next to each other in the fourth round. So if you want to talk about waiting to the sixth or seventh round, which normally I'm all about, like the price has to be right. And, and, and people who take quarterback in the first two or three rounds, you know, first three rounds, I think that's kind of out there. But when you're talking about the fourth round, uh, a guy that's unless injury happened is going to be a guaranteed top th- three guy. And he's going to score. Let's see. We're talking the seventh round. So that's like Matt Ryan, uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers or, or Carson Wentz. You know, last year he scored, you know, four points per week more than them. Know, 60-ish over the entire season and now in my opinion I think he's only going to increase on that so we could be talking like six points per week you're, you're talking about drafting Dak Prescott or you know rolling the dice on David Johnson at running back like I'm just not going to do that in the fourth I'd rather shore up the QB most of the times I'm with you I, I will wait wait grab somebody late but I think this is one where the, the a top tier player has fallen so far where it just makes sense to do it Cody you got any thoughts break the tie <laughs> nope. <laughs> I mean, I, not not to not to jump for, you know head first into this hedge life here, but I think it really depends on who you're drafting with. Like, I think that's just something that's super important to know is who are you drafting with? Because if you're drafting with a bunch of people who feel the way that Kev does, you know, you can get Dak in the in the fifth, and that price is fine. You know, if, if it's your typical home league draft, you know, office draft with, you know, a bunch of people who are just literally printing out the ESPN top 300, you know, the the day of the draft, a couple hours before they go in and they, they don't know what's going on. And they just see, oh, that I could either have the 20th running back or I could have the second best quarterback. Like, I think those things are, are, are important and it all, it all just comes down to the price. Like, I think if I would, I would be hard pressed to, take that quarterback in the fourth but i mean i i do fully believe that dak i mean i honestly i think he could be in the running for uh for mvp this year with how everything is is setting up i mean maybe not mvp because i don't think they're going to be good enough and like that that award seems to go to teams that are making the the playoff runs right so i I don't know i don't know mvp fantasy mvp maybe is is, yeah but maybe yeah maybe maybe that's a a better way of saying it but i mean if if you're looking in the right around where they're going um i mean aj brown i don't like that but calvin ridley at 406 
Dude, these running backs are so gross. It's going around them, like you were saying. Rob, I'm saying, like, yeah. you want to have a question mark where you could you could literally fall flat on your face and not have a usable guy, or just a, a top option every single week. Don't have to think about it. You can play the waiver wire for your wide receivers. We, we've already talked about it too long, but I guess that's that's my one exception. Normally, I'm I'm with Kev. You wait on QB. I think this year just presents an opportunity to just solidify that. Don't worry about these bad running backs in that area. The, th- the thing is, though, is that the, the optimal approach isn't drafting a running back in the fourth round. And that that's why I said like it's so important for me to try to get a running back in those first two rounds and then just hammer wide receiver because we know the value there is, is, is that wide receiver. In the third, fourth round, I mean, Allen Robinson now is getting closer now to the fourth round in terms of his ADP, uh, according to 4 for 4's ADP right now. Like He's like going 308 or something like that. Give me Allen Robinson all day over taking Dak Prescott or even the fourth round, You know, the, all the wide receivers that are going in the fourth. Like I'll take those guys all day over Dak Prescott. Because like I said, I mean, again, Matt Stafford actually, you know, again, he got hurt last year, but a good example, he's going in the 10th round and Matt Stafford averaged more fantasy points per drop back than what Dak Prescott did last year. And, and again, you're getting that at almost a, you know, five or six round discount. And so it has a broken back. So, I mean, there's a little risk built into that. It's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that major (laughs) of an injury. Uh, it's, it's, but He's fine. He, you know, he, he's good to go this year. I'm not. I'm not at all worried about Matt Stafford. But again, if it does happen, I, I draft him in the tenth round. I'm not worried about that, right? I can go pick up another guy. I can stream it. But that, that's the whole point of the late round, you know, approach, and that's why most people go that route. I just think it's ridiculous. Dak Prescott for me to draft him would have to fall like fifth, sixth round, and then if he did, I was okay. Now that's a value. That now maybe then I, I could consider taking him there. Maybe. And I, I still probably wouldn't. I still probably would go a different direction because my mind is not even thinking about taking a quarterback or a tight end in a one v position anywhere before round ten. All right, we got we got to move this along. We're already twenty minutes into it, and we are still on our first player. Uh, Kev was talking about draft not drafting anyone until after the sixth round. I'm going to bring up a sixth round quarterback that I want nothing to do with, and that is Josh Allen at QB seven in the sixth round. I personally can't do it. Uh, Kev, we already kind of know what your feelings are in taking the early quarterback. I'm sure there's no way in hell that you're taking Josh Allen in the in the sixth. Robbie, I'm not entirely sure of your thoughts on Josh Allen, but how do you feel about him there at QB7 in the middle of the sixth? Yeah, I just stumbled upon him actually in my home league uh, auction draft, and he was just a, a late guy that I like, got in like this, I don't know, one of, the la- one of the last nominations. I don't know how he fell that far. Is for like four four dollars, so like that price was obviously way better. But yeah, man, that's a player that just has a lot more risk for me. And so if you're talking, j- just repeating basically everything Kev said, if, if the the risk is there and we're talking about sixth ish round, fifth round, I, I don't want to do that. I'd rather wait and, and play that upside guy. That I do like Josh Allen as a fantasy option. He obviously is going to be better with Stefan Diggs coming to town. But you hope he would. He can't get much worse of a complete completion percentage, but just echoing kind of reversing my statement now on a player that I don't feel strongly and I'm not as confident on. I would rather wait uh, for, for a different quarterback in that specific case. It is. Last year I, I happened to look at his uh, FF calculator ADP at this time last year. It was QB 20 in the 13th round. And now all of a sudden, like, I think he is he, at QB seven, you were buying him at his absolute ceiling. You know, and like, I don't see a, a big, a big jump for him. I don't see a lot of a lot of room for growth. So that that's just something that I I cannot do whatsoever, especially in the sixth, with all the the different, especially wide receiver with that being so deep going around there. I would even take some tight ends over him. Uh, Kev, who is your quarterback? You want to bring to this ADP price check? Who who uh, who are you scanning on the barcode, buddy? I just think Aaron Rodgers is still being overdrafted, despite the fact that he's going as like QB twelve, like. I just don't see what people see in him this year. I don't think anything's going to change from last year. They did absolutely nothing to upgrade this offense. Actually, you know, you still have it's Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, and that's pretty much it. Like, Alan Lazard is just a guy. Marcus Valdez Scantling is the same thing. Like, they did absolutely nothing to try to help out Aaron Rodgers. And I think that they're going to be exactly what they were last year. They are a run first offense. They are not a team that wants to go out and throw the ball a ton. And so I don't know what people see in Aaron Rodgers. And I think at this point, he's just more of a name at this point. If had they went out and done more to upgrade this offense over this offseason, I would be more, I would definitely be interested in that. 
Because, you know, in years past, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers as a guy who goes as a top three quarterback every year. But now I just can't do it. Um, I think he really should be going in the 15th, 16th, 17th round, not 12th. And I don't think that's really a hot take. Uh, I know some people will will think that way because it's Aaron Rodgers and he still carries the name value. I still think Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. I don't think he's dust. But they just don't have the weapons. And I just don't think there's the volume is going to be there for him and, and this offense for, for you to get that kind of production out of him. So, you know, I, I think he takes a little bit more of a step back this year. And like I said, if anything happens to Devontae Adams, it is going to be a long season uh, for this team. Because like I said, they're a team that wants to run the football. They are not a team that wants to go out and air the ball out. And that's just not what I'm looking for in my quarterback. I would much rather just wait a few more rounds and, and grab some other guys. But I just don't understand. I still think he should be going later than what he is. Yeah, the Packers have given us every reason to just sell on the, on that passing game. Obviously, Devontae Adams will get his, but you know, just every draft pick between Jordan Love, you know, AJ Dillon, then the tight end, like they're they're telling you that they want to run the football and run the football, and it's just not the Packers that we're used to. And some people are still slower to get used to that. Maybe just your more casual fans just see that name, like Kev said, and and that's why that ADP is still high. But no, listening to the beat writers. Uh, David Berger has his um, uh, dialed in podcast that that has a really good uh, interview with a Packers beat writer. And he said, you know, this offense has ups and downs. They literally just don't have any other proven weapons outside of, of the running game. And then Adams. And so they're, 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 it's just, a, you have to change your philosophy with the Packers. It's not Aaron Rodgers airing it out. And so, yeah, he's a low end QB one. And, and maybe that's, that's, that's it. You know, there's, there's not a ton of upside there. He's not getting his 35 touchdown seasons anymore. The one thing I'll say on him before we before we move on to running back is I, I could see a, a potential increase in his volume, maybe just because last year I think they had the eighth or ninth fewest offensive snaps with a deficit. And I think, what, last year they went 13-3. and three. Yeah. So not sure that that repeats. And, may, you know, I mean, maybe we just see some more volume. We know LaFleur wants to be – a, at least a balanced, if not a run-heavy offense. So maybe we get some some added, uh, you know, like I said, some added passing volume with them not being able to to lead in games like they were last year. But let's uh, let's move on, Kev. I'm going to put you right back up. Let's move on to running back. Who are you bringing to the table now? Well, I, I think I think. Uh... Uh, for any good fantasy analyst or fantasy gamer, should uh, we, we've sort of hit on this recently, but um, I think some of these guys we could talk about that we should be removing our take lock from, right? We go all offseason, we look into these guys, whether you like them, you hate them. I know there's been people that, that didn't like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming out as a prospect, and, and I've seen people that still, for whatever reason, don't like him for the Chiefs, and I know there's a lot of people that think that he's being overdrafted right now going early second, almost into the first round, and like I think history tells us that that's probably he's probably going to be a stud, right? Like he's probably going to end up being, regardless of what you think of him as a prospect, being in this offense with Patrick Mahomes, like nobody's nobody's stacking the box against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay, it's not happening. He's not going to see a stack front. He is going to be, you know, he is like he's going to be what the guy third, fourth option. Most defenses are even going to be thinking about. No one's going to be. Um, so for me, like I, I just it's gonna be really hard for him to fail. And now Damian Williams gone, like it's really hard for me to see him. Like I that's why I think he should be in most people's top six, top seven, and I think that's bare minimum. That's like the lowest he should be for people because it is it is absolutely wheels up. But there's other guys past that. Like for me, like Ronald Jones, like uh I I went all offseason really hating Ronald Jones, and I still don't really like Ronald Jones. Okay, but I I'm a big enough person, and I'm a smart enough person to be try to be fluid in the way that I that, that I look at this, and the way that you know you analyze the game and what's happening, and understand that Ronald Jones is going to be the th- a thing in 2020, and is going to be the lead back in Tampa Bay, and that holds value. I don't think he's going to be involved in the passing game as much as other people think he is. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's Dari Ogunbowale's role. Um, However, I still think that getting him in the sixth round, that, that's too good a value to pass up there. Uh, you know, the lead back in this offense is likely going to be able to score some points and put up some points. So something like that. And then another one for me was Zach Moss. I hated coming out. I hated the hype. I didn't hate the players as much as I hated the hype on him. It sounds like he's going to be the man in Buffalo. And, you know, I, I think that uh, he's essentially almost killed Devin Singletary and... You know, um, I think at the very least he's going to get the goal line work. He's going to get touchdown opportunities. Obviously, Josh Allen has has a say in that as well with what they do with him down there. But 
I think he gets probably 15 touches a game, and I think he's a better pass catcher than Devin Singletary, and he's going in the 11th round. You know, and so I think just for me trying to be fluid with some of these guys like that, um, Leonard Fournette, I think, is another another guy that a lot of people uh, are stuck on. And I've just seen a lot of that where people don't want to let go of their their initial take on something and they will hammer that whatever happens. It could be anything that happens. Like it's like Miles Sanders is another really good one for a lot of people and a lot of analysts who don't like Miles Sanders. And or had a take, and they don't want to, you know, like move on from it. Like here we are, we're like two weeks from the season starting. And there's still people like you watch. They're gonna sign somebody. They're gonna sign somebody, and he's gonna be dead. I'm. That's what I'm waiting on. I'm like, so just so just be honest then, and just and just say it. You don't you don't like Miles Sanders. You're exposing yourself. You're playing yourself, bro. Just say it and, and quit trying to like hide behind other things. And so I, I don't know. That's just for me. I think that's what more people should do. Everybody needs to be fluid and be be willing to change their opinion. Kev, I need to send you my Venmo then for our uh, Rojo verse. Yeah, Keyshawn that one's dead. I'm pretty, much, I'm pretty much screwed <laughs> on that one. I'll toss you my Venmo later. Robbie, you're running back. Who is it? Who is it? Yeah, so Tom and I just did the our bus um, for the Dino Show last night. And so it's, I'm going to repeat a little bit of, of what I said there. But my, my bust right now for running back, and this is like you want to – nail your name to to a take this year it, it's melvin gordon at going at running back 18 is just just irresponsible drafting honestly like this was before he had like his little rib injury which i think he's back from but this is a guy that joined a team that we talk about signs with the packers and, and what they're going to do all signs point to the broncos wanting to pass the football with jerry judy kj hamler you know noah fant obviously they bring in you know albert o they want to they want to throw and they want to throw often. Not to mention, it's a split backfield now. Like Philip Lindsay beat out Royce Freeman. We forget that he's an undrafted free agent that beat out third round pick Royce Freeman two years in a row. After he did the first year, people were like, no, Royce was a little slow. He'll come back. No, he did it two years in a row. Was the back, and he's not going anywhere. He's he's still. Uh, they, we've seen sound bites come out that they're going to be. It's going to be a split backfield. So. You look at Melvin Gordon's history, he's basically lived off of his workload. You know, he's had so many carries where it's gotten him into that fantasy relevance and, and the receptions as well. So his efficiency is horrible. He's only had one season over four yards per carry. And with the offensive line that they have, they lost their center, who was the ninth uh, graded center by Pro Football Focus. They lost their right tackle, who was an opt-out. They lost their right guard. They're going to have three new offensive linemen coming in. They're one of the, the worst-ranked offensive lines going into 2020. So if you look at that, you look at they want to pass the ball. It's a split backfield. And he's going to running back 18. Like This is just complete irresponsible, um, even in PPR leagues, where I do think he'll get more receptions than Lindsey. just can't do it. just can't do it personally. I am going to piggyback off of that, and I'm just going to bring in the entire – third and fourth round running backs that are going off the board right now. Cause I'm not sure I can really get behind any of them, but this is just how things are going in drafts right now. So here are the, the running backs that are going in a third and fourth. Maybe you guys can tell me anyone that you're targeting in this area, because it, it like, honestly, it just feels like a, an entire section of running backs I'm avoiding through these two rounds. And that is Gurley, Fournette, Carson, Connor, Melvin Gordon, Bell, and DJ going at four twelve. Are there is there anybody in that group that you like you're actually excited to draft? Because to me, like there are so many other, uh, like especially receivers. But I would even if one of the tight ends falls to that spot, I'd rather take a tight end in the third over any, over any of those running backs. Are there any that you guys are targeting? Because to to me, like I said, I'm just kind of I think I'm just out on running back in that entire area. James Conner. I, James Conner is being criminally undervalued. Um, I, I would definitely would have no problem taking him. You know, we've done a video on that. Actually, me and Robbie had a debate over James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. And I think James Conner, uh, now, of course, it's the if he stays healthy, which um, this is a contract year. I mean, everything that's come out from from Mike Tomlin this offseason has said that he is going to be the lead back of this offense. We know he's going to get uh, pass catching work as well. He's a guy that that's probably going to get somewhere in the eighteen to twenty range, and you're getting him what RB twenty, RB twenty one, and so you know just this past year, the year before, he was going as a top ten running back. Uh, some cases in the first round, 
early second, and now you're getting him, you know, at a two round discount. So yeah, I have no problem taking him. But again, you know, it's it's what I keep saying. Like I, I want I want the wide receivers in the third, fourth, fifth round, like in, in those ranges, you know. And when I want to start thinking about running back again, would be in the sixth, whenever you know Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift are on the board. Yeah, just to to follow up on that and to, to answer my guy KC, he's jumping in here asking about the Colts backfield. I think I think I am waiting on some of those um, those guys. I did like Lev Bell, and I've been pounding the table for him. Gase just came out, or, or a beat writer actually wrote that you know they're they're actually splitting the workload a lot more than that absolutely necessary with Gore and Bell, which worries me a little bit. I thought uh, Gore was just going to be an afterthought, but Adam Gase keeps on being Adam Gase, so I'll probably lower in my projections Lev Bell a little bit um, just to kind of adjust with that news. Be fluid, as Kevin says, but yeah, to jump in kind of even a little bit further, Kevin was just talking about those sixth round guys. You know, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is kind of that home run cut that. Marlon Mack is going to start off being being that running back, but we know that the talent is there with Jonathan Jonathan Taylor, and eventually that backfield will be his behind the best off of offensive line in football with Philip Rivers at the helm. They're not throwing you know six hundred times. They're they're going to be one of the lower um, pass heavy teams, and I think more run heavy teams in the league. And so, yeah, if you're talking about a guy that just you want to jump over that upside of all, most of those backs that I think we just listed, I think you're talking about Jonathan Taylor. I agree. I think that's how it's going to play out in Indy is that he is going to end up being, by, by season's end, he is definitely going to be the lead back. And I think Naheem Hines has a steady role as the pass catcher there as the satellite back. So th- that's kind of how I view them. But the, I've also gone back and forth because I also feel like that J.K. Dobbins, who's going pretty much two or three rounds later than Jonathan Taylor, might actually be the best value that's going right now in drafts. Because I definitely think that he's uh, just as talented of a runner as a DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think he's I think he's more talented than Cam Akers. And I think it's only a matter of time before he takes over that backfield. And I think it could happen this year um, a lot sooner than people think. And I know Melvin in- or um, um, Mark Ingram is still there, but I think that Mark Ingram is uh, again on kind of on his way out of this of this team, and I think that they drafted J.K. Dobbins for a reason. And I think by week eight, J.K. Dobbins is the starter, and if that happens, that is an absolute top five back to finish the year. So I think he actually is probably for me one of the best late round or mid round values that you could get a running back because of where he's going, because he's not being valued up with some of these other guys, and I think he probably should be. So for ADP purposes, you have Jonathan Taylor going in the mid-fifth. You have Marlon Mack going at 8.06, and then Naheem Hines is falling all the way to all the way to the 17th round. So that's ridiculous. He should be going, especially if you go just go back and look at Philip Rivers in the last three years and how much he targets running or targets his running backs. Like that is absolutely ridiculous. He should be going so much higher. Like he should be like eleventh, twelfth round guy, not a seventeenth round guy. For for this year, the only thing that not not necessarily worries me about Jonathan Taylor because I know he can absolutely do it. He can absolutely just ball out and force the coaching staff's hand. But I think that's what he's going to have to do on a consistent basis to, to be able to take over that backfield. Because from all indications, you know, again, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But these have been the steady reports we've been seeing is that Marlon Mack is kind of he's, – he's at least holding him off. He's at least not making it so obvious. It's like, okay, Jonathan Taylor is the unquestioned guy starting, you know, week two or anything like that. Kind of with what we're – starting to see a little bit with Cam Akers and the, the Darrell Henderson situation. And then the, the other day you had the, the report coming out that Naheem Hines was just everywhere and just catching everything around him. So for for dynasty purposes, I, like I said before in, a, in one of the training camp videos, you draft Jonathan Taylor, you put your head on your pillow, and you you sleep like a baby. But for for this year, this this is a this is a confusing, not necessarily confusing, but it's a it's a muddled backfield because I think all three of these guys are going to be involved into in some extent, and it's just going to be it's I, I do think it's a case of when Jonathan Taylor beats him out, but I don't think it's going to be you know like Kev was saying with J.K. Dobbins like week eight, you know what I mean maybe something like that, but that's just. So I, I, I think they both. I think Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, which I think Jonathan Taylor probably has a little bit more of a role early on than J.K. Dobbins, but I still think J.K. Dobbins is going to get twelve, ten to twelve touches per game. But I think they're both kind of feel like Nick Chubb 
rookie year type plays. It, it's going to take them some time to really take over that backfield because that's what happened with Nick Chubb. He started the year um, kind of getting just sparingly opportunities, and then they finally what uh, got rid of Carlos Hyde, and he just took off the second. I feel like that yeah. feels more like in line with what Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins are probably going to be. I love Jonathan Taylor as well. Like I think he could be the most talented back in this class. But for this year, it's going to be a little bit tough with Marlon. Because I do think Marlon Mack is still – he's definitely going to have a role this year. Um, and maybe more than what people want to believe. But I think it, at, at least in the odds, uh, at least at the start of the season. But I think as the season goes by, like again. But taking him in the fifth round, like that you're not you're, – you're losing. Because I, I would – right there, I would rather take a wide receiver. Like I, instead of taking Jonathan Taylor. And just a, sing, just a regular redraft. Like I, I, it's I would have to, I would rather take wide receiver than Jonathan Taylor because I don't want to have to wait until week six, week seven, for for that for that pick to pay off. I mean, to be honest, with you, the smart move would probably be in a regular redraft to let somebody else take him, hope he starts out slow like that for the first five or six weeks or three or four weeks, and then you trade the guy, and they are then you trade for him because his value is going to be lower at that point. And you can get him for much cheaper. Absolutely. All right, so speaking of wide receivers that we would rather draft, we're going to move on to the wide receiver position now. I'm going to kick things off because I just need I need you guys to, to talk to me. Maybe it's the, the pessimistic homer in me, but I just don't know. Like I, I, I don't have a, a clear feeling on Juju Smith-Schuster this year. He's currently going at wide receiver 14 in the fourth round, I believe. Um, I just Like I said, I, I just really don't he's, – he's going at the end of the third. He's going at 312. With Juju, I just don't know. I just don't know how to feel about him. I like. I think it's it's partly a Ben thing. I think it's partly we don't like. We have never seen Juju have to operate as the unquestioned guy, and I don't see anyone that's going to be taking a lot of, you know, a, a lot of attention off of him on the outside. Like, yes, Juju Smith-Schuster blew it up two years ago. But he had Antonio fucking Brown playing on the outside of him and taking double teams consistently. So, like, I, I do think he's talented. He's obviously young. He has a rapport with Ben. But, like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I Like, wide receiver 14, like, I, I guess I'm okay with it. But I don't have strong feelings on him. Can one of you guys – Let me let me ask you this. Well, you already know how I feel. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is in for a big-time big bounce back this year. And I wish he was going a little bit later because uh, I was ho- I was where I was hoping, but he's not. He's still going relatively high. But where did you? What did you think about him entering last year? Same questions. I, I didn't know if he'd be able to operate as the as the true alpha and have all of the defense's attention on him. And then we didn't like that was an answer for us whatsoever with the way that well, like, yeah, because Big Ben got hurt, and that's the, that's that's the ultimate question. As long as Big Big Ben stays healthy, I think it's wheels up for Juju because I love Deontay Johnson. We already know this, and I think that he is going to take another big step forward this year. And this, let's let's be honest, it's a contract year for for old Juju, right? But um, and you know, contract year is undefeated. So he's gonna he's gonna play in the slot. He played he actually played more in the slot last year than he did the year before. He played operated, I think it was sixty six percent of the snaps from the slot last year. His biggest problem and the entire offense's biggest fucking problem was, you know, they had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at back there. All reports are that Big Ben looks healthy and you know, he, he I they haven't really talked a whole lot about, you know, I haven't heard a whole lot about like his arm strength doesn't look like it's there or, you know, it sounds like he still has it. So if he does and if he can, if they can keep him healthy, like I, I think this offense could end up being the big, uh, you know, one of the big bounce back offenses, you know, heading into this year where this, this team gets much more, looks much more like the, you know, the previous years of the Steelers and what we saw last year, because last year was a dumpster fire. So they have all the pieces, right? I mean, like I said, Juju, Deontay Johnson. You know, if 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 James Washington can take another step forward as the field stretcher, they brought in Chase, Chase Claypool. You know, James Conner is still there. Anthony McFarland, who love that dude still. Um, so for me, I think that's kind of what you look at and with, with this offense. So if you feel confident in Big Ben staying healthy, you should have no problem taking Juju because I think that he, again, has top five upside this year, especially operating from the slot. He's going to be peppered with targets. They're going to throw the ball more this year You know, if Big Ben stays healthy. So that's really my only concern. But other than that, I love Juju heading into this year. Yeah, for me, it's it's not a anti-Juju thing. It's just there are other wide receivers that I'd rather have in that range. I mean, Cooper Cup is the guy, and he's going behind him. Calvin Ridley, I'd rather have uh, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods. 
for sure Robert Woods. Um, you know, there's just too many wide receivers that are going in that exact same range where I won't have Juju on any of my teams. He, he's kind of that, I wouldn't say boomer bust, but he definitely, we, we've seen the risks now with him and we've seen what he can do at his peak. So he, where does he finish in between there? Is it kind of in the upper echelon, you know, 120, 130 targets? Can he get up there? Or is he more just the, the 115, 110 uh, targets where, you know, he's, they're, they're trying to involve some of these other weapons that you just named a little bit more because they have a ton of these weapons and maybe it's not like, you know, just one is taking them down, but just, you know, death by a hundred stabs there. It's just all of them taking a little chunk here, 60 targets here, 70 targets here, 80 targets there. And I think Juju can hit four, 140, 150 in terms of targets. Yeah. I just, I just think they brought in too many other weapons uh, for, for them to, to focal, to have him as like that guy, like DeAndre Hopkins, 150. Like that's just too much where I, I don't, I can't project that high. I think he's more in the 120, 125. And then it's what can you do with that? We we see we see the talent, and this is not like I said at the beginning. It's not anti Juju. There's just more, other guys I'd rather have going in the same spot. For for me, it would be I would I definitely would rather have Cooper Cup. I'm super high on Cooper Cup this year, like everybody else should be, and that's probably Calvin it. Ridley. I mean, they're gonna throw six hundred and twenty times, man. Like I, I want to talk about someone who can get one hundred and thirty targets. True, but he's also but we've we've had this discussion with Calvin Ridley uh, and. My thing with Calvin Ridley is this situation isn't any different than it was last year. None. There's absolutely nothing different here in this in this scenario. They, but he never got those targets. They were they, they threw the ball a ton last year, right? And I mean, yes, he, he still he still finished well. And like, but my my biggest issue is that we're all projecting like there's going to be this huge spike in opportunity, but nothing's really changed in this offense. Like Julio's still there. It's still Calvin Ridley. Hayden Hurst likely, you know, takes the majority of, of what of what Austin Hooper does. That that would be where you would have to. Okay, if you think uh, Hayden Hurst, for example, is is, is not going to get all those targets that Austin Hooper has, and they're going to flow to Calvin Ridley, that would be about it. Other than that, like I don't know where this huge bump is coming from because they are already what I think number one in pass plays per game, or top three in pass plays per game. So where is that extra volume coming from? For him to get that high, for for him to continue to to get that high for Calvin Ridley, I like Calvin Ridley. Don't get me wrong; I think I have him at like wide receiver sixteen, but I would just rather have Juju Smith-Schuster, where I know he is the unquestioned one in that offense. He's still going to command the highest target share, and you cannot say that about Calvin Ridley. So that th- that that's my issue. That that's the only thing with Calvin Ridley. Like I'm a little more hesitant on Calvin Ridley than I think other people are. I don't think I'm too low on him. Like I said, wide receiver 16, but I would just prefer, much prefer Juju over him. Yeah, they're 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 close for me. So I'm not, I'm not going to argue one way or another. They're they're close. I'd probably just take that that upside and that passing offense. They're probably going to throw 60 more times, and I just think that the upside's there. So we can hit the next guy, Cody. I don't know who's going next. Well, why don't you go next, Mister Ancy Pants? Absolutely. Um, you guys know I love Robert Woods. I would love to sit here and talk over the same talking points. I think I say on every single pod about Robert Woods, but I've said it all and I don't want to bore people. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit, go with another guy I'm very high on. Um, Cause I feel like you guys are, are saying, you know, people aren't worth these ADPs. We've, we've had a lot of anti don't draft these guys. I got to, I got to bring us back up here. Guys that we should draft good value guys. And, and Terry McLaurin is, is just that, like you want to talk about guys that are just absolutely undervalued right now. Terry McLaurin is, you can get him what I, I, I just saw the ADP and I, I forgot already. We're talking like six end of end of the sixth, early seventh round, which is just just crazy for the upside that he can have. We want we want to talk about guys who can just be the target hog in their offense. I mean, if you're not talking the, the elite guys in the top five or the top four, then th- this 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 guy is is right there going to get you know 130 ish targets because they don't have anybody else. They have rookies and Antonio Gibson, uh, AGG. And they have Steven Sims. St- yeah, Steven Sims, who is a good player, right? But he, he that offense is going to run through Terry McLaurin. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't have a ton to say about it. It's, it's 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 crazy with him. Well, it's crazy with the wide receivers in general, right? Because a lot of these guys that we're all super high on, everyone loves Terry McLaurin. I don't know anybody that doesn't. But like, it's crazy to think like, man, he, sh- he should be going what sixth, seventh round? Like, that's ridiculous. He should be a guy going like the fourth round, right? But because of running backs has been pushed so far up this yeah. year, it has pushed all the wide receivers so far back that you can that you can take so many of these wide receivers. And so it's crazy. Like I, I feel like after this year, 
that we are going to look back and people are going to be laughing about how many busts that there are in the early rounds because of all these running backs that are going mm-hmm. so ridiculously high that we typically don't see in years in years past. That's probably going to be the theme. But like I said, there's there, I got nothing bad to say about Terry. I love Terry McLaurin. Um, I still think that he was the best wide receiver of last year's class, and I think he's going to be the best wide receiver of last year. I think that dude's an absolute baller. So I guess we can just keep it moving I to the next one. Cap, yeah, okay. go. Hey, you don't tell me what to fucking do. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of wide receiver, so an early wide let, – let's talk about the early round wide receivers, right? Because of all the guys that have been pushed down, like I feel like that's where all the spotlight's on. But in terms of Julio, Tyreek – DeAndre Hopkins, like these guys don't really know. I, you don't hear anybody talking about them because like, I don't think anybody want like everybody wants to take those running backs early. And so like, nobody's really talking about the, the, those wide receivers that are going there early. Obviously Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams are kind of the two unquestioned guys at the top, but you know, the Tyreeks, the Julios and the DeAndre Hopkins, or maybe even if you want to include like a Chris Godwin in that, that conversation, but for me, like I feel like those guys aren't being valued. So where where would you guys where are you guys coming in on those three? Where would you rank them? Where would you want them in terms of for for like the top three guys that you just listed? I just I, I no yes <laughs> Tyreek Julio and DeAndre Hopkins. Well, yeah, that's just I guess that's not my top three. So I just wanted to confirm. Well, I'm saying those next that next those the next tier of where guys are going in ADP. It's yeah. it's Tyreek and it's Julio and it's it's. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I think uh, Julio is just being slept on then at that point. I mean, it's, the value is, is a lot smaller when you're talking about end of first to, to start a second because you, you're not going to get one if you have an end-of-the-round pick versus um, and if you're picking early in the draft, you're, you're probably only going to get one. But, yeah, I, I think Julio needs to be up there just kind of repeating what I said about the Falcons. They're going to throw the most again probably next year, them and the Rams, you know, in the you know, low 600s. And he's the number one guy, and you know he's kind of finally figured out that touchdown issue of only getting you know three and four and five early in his career, and now he's you know up there at seven and eight. So you know if you're talking about someone to lead the league in targets this year, and if it's not Michael Thomas, it's going to be Julio. So yeah, I have Julio projected as as the number one uh, wide receiver with Michael Thomas coming in right behind him at wide receiver two. So that's my order: is Julio, Michael Thomas, then Adams, with Tyreek at four. That's ridiculous. It's, it's, Cody, you go. I can't even. What, his, his top three ranking? Tyreek being at four. That's blasphemous. <laughs> Chiefs fan doesn't like that. I get it. Because I think he's more volatile than, than those other guys. I was just I was busting his balls, Cody. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know what? You come in here, you Wait. call you call us peasants. You say daddy's here. You know what? It's it's time to get your fucking balls busted, Buster. And that's how we're gonna do that. Buster. Right, well, what? Where are you? Where are you on those three guys? I forget who the three. You said D. Don't, don't forget who will chastise you if you forget the three Julio, guys. Tyreek. Are you are you listening to the show? Or you could look no. at the. Sh- no, I'm not. I'm not listening to the show because I'm, Ty- I'm. All right, concerned. all right. Let's, let's, all right, Tyreek, Julio, and DeAndre Hopkins. Julio, Tyreek, D-Hop. Excellent, excellent analysis. <laughs> well, we're, we're already an hour into it. We, we still have the time right. to go through. We have a question here from Josh Twenter who jumped into the YouTube chat. He has a two QB league. Two of his three have the same bye week. Off of waivers, who should he snag now? Rivers, Tyrod, Fitz, Darnold, Foles, or Haskins? Yeah, I think you, you look at the week five matchups there would be my first thing. I don't have them off the top of my head. I'm going to try and pull them up here. but I can't believe that those, honestly, all those quarterbacks are available in a two-quarterback league. Seems like a lot, uh, you know, pretty decent does, options for yeah. a two-QB league. Yeah, um, hashtag analysis here. Just just look at look at the matchups. I'd, I'd say anyone facing the Jets, anyone facing the Dolphins. Dolphins have a little bit better of a defense. But look for those defenses who have do, been doing poorly or – I guess you're trying to pick them up right now. Look for defenses that are projected to do poorly, um, and I would just find the best matchup there, honestly, because a lot of those guys, they're, they're all in the same range, so you could pick the wrong one, honestly, but I think what you're doing there is almost going DFS style, which you're just strictly looking at the matchup. If the matchup changes and you see one of those other guys, this defense really starts sucking through the first four weeks, switch them out. It, it would be my best advice on that. All right, so, so all right, to answer this a little bit more clearly, the Chargers play the Saints on Monday Night Football Week Five. So for Tyrod, then you have Philip Rivers who's going to be playing the Browns. 
Who are the other options? Darnold, I guess, playing the Cardinals. And Haskins? Fitz is playing the Niners. What is... And then the Bears are playing the Bucks on Thursday Night Football. And Washington has the Rams. Not great. Um, I mean, it's tough to try to project week five now but for me like if, if if i had to pick today and i i would probably want to grab one of them because those guys are probably going to be picked up quickly it probably would be i Rivers would probably face the chiefs i mean they're gonna it's like am i looking at the wrong one who, who are the colts facing browns browns i think I'll, i think i'll go uh rivers there i think that's the, the best yeah. matchup yeah i mean that defense is is really good um or should be really good for the browns well, they just lost two of the defensive pieces. I, mean, we're talking about, I, I honestly, I think Darnold is also pretty interesting, though. Going against the Cardinals, they're going to have to score points. That they're going to be in, you know, uh, negative game scripts. So they're going to have to be throw the ball a ton in that game. Like I, I could talk myself into Sam Darnold as well, but it's tough to trust anything with Adam Gay. So yeah, I'd probably go Rivers. I would for me, it'd be either Rivers or or Darnold for me. You're gonna gonna get a bunch Agreed. of. Uh, Degaff balls from Fitz going up against the 49ers as well. I guess that also depend on how how penalized you get for um, for interceptions as well. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the tight end, uh, Robbie. Let's. Uh, well, why don't you throw someone out here? Who do you want to talk about a tight end? What ADP price check are you checking? You know, I'm a little nervous to bring this one up. At- after how well the uh, early QB one went, um, kind of dipping back into that same well and saying, I'm all about the late round tight end. And that that works well if you hit the right guy, right? If you got the Darren Waller last year, you were stoked. But most other guys didn't didn't quite. If you were thinking Ian Thomas was going to be that breakout, nope, Janu kind of got there, but not quite. Now this year, Kev loves Janu. I love Blake Jarwin. You love Chris Herndon. I think those are three awesome guys to go. But if you want to... Just lock in a guy and not play the stream, not worry about it, set and forget it. I, again, I think it's okay to go these other positions early where how far back they're going. And at the end of the second round, if you can sneak uh, George Kittle, if you have an, uh, that swing pick and you can take him at the 301, maybe even 302 spot, I think George Kittle needs to be seriously considered there. Um, this, is, this is a guy who was outpacing Kelsey last year, obviously got hurt for, for a couple weeks there. And now we have nobody at wide receiver. Debo is questionable for week one. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is out. Um, Jalen Hurd's done for the year. So we're talking Trent Taylor and Tavon Austin are, are leading that wide receiver court right now. And that can change for sure. But remember, Ayuk's still a rookie. Garoppolo has eyes for Kittle. Like first, second, and third option is Kittle. So, you know, Kittle only twice last year had under 54 yards and only four times had less than six receptions. So, I mean, that's just consistent. You know, how many times are, are these, even, even if these tight ends start to hit these late round guys, they're going to have four or five, six weeks where they're three for 34, you know, four for 30. They're going to have a lot of these dead weeks. And Kittle is just a guy that I think is, is always going to be consistent. And then will give you boom weeks. He's got to fix that, that touchdown problem. He only had five last year on 85 receptions. But I do think he fixes that um, this year. They they up that TD percentage a little bit. Um, so yeah, taking Kittle with that 301, 302. If you, if you're able to sneak him, I'd even consider him at, at 211 when when you can kind of flip around and, and get that running back at 302, depending on how your draft goes. He, he was going to be wide receiver seven. He was pacing his wide receiver seven. If you want to just compare him to wide receivers. So if you look at where those wide receivers are going, you know that's that's basically where they're going. So he should be considered in that mold as a tight end that you won't have to worry about. You won't have to play the waiver wire game and waste a roster spot on a backup or anything like that. Just plug and play. Um, I'm going to advocate for, for Kittle there. The only tough part, I guess what I would say is the for devil's advocate. Part of that is that because of how much running backs are being taken off the board by taking a running back that, or by again, by passing a running back, you are now into that, you're going to be into that Todd Gurley range of all those all those running backs that we discussed earlier about maybe that, that uh, you would be afraid of taking as your second running back, and so that would be my only concern with taking you know Ty, or George Kittle. George Carroll George Kittle's a baller. I personally, if I was going to do it, I'd rather have Mark Andrews is going almost around later, who I think has the same I think definitely has the same ceiling as George Kittle does, and if I can get him around later and again, you know, take those two running backs and then grab Mark Andrews. And then because of how much wide receiver has been pushed down, then you can still grab so many uh, talented wide receivers later. 
And so I, that is kind of the way I look at it. Um, so I, I don't hate it. You know, I, I get where you're coming from. And, you know, those 1v1 positions where you, those onesie positions where you, especially with positional scarcity, because in most years, I know this year we love all these tight ends and I hope it works out. Because we, it's been a while since we've had like a, uh, you know, to really be able to. Because most of the years, it's like a guy gets 500 yards and four touchdowns, and he's a, a tight end right. one, which is fucking awful, right? Like this is terrible. <laughs> and hopefully, we're we're seeing a renaissance at the tight end position, right? Because I think all of us, you know, like you all mentioned, the three guys: Noah Fant, Mike Gesicki, like so many of these guys that we really like here as late round tight end options. But I get what you're saying. Like you can lo- take it to the bank that George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and really Mar- I think Mark Andrews are all kind of locked in for that That every week you, you can almost expect them to get that 10 to 15 fantasy points per week. The crazy thing with Kittle, too, is two years ago he had 1,300 yards. Last year he had over 1,000 yards and still only five touchdowns in both those years. So if he gets that, that touchdown luck and that positive touchdown regression because he should be having more than five touchdowns with the yards – and the receptions that he's getting, he could just absolutely smash. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you also made a point that I'm not even sure if you meant to make it, but his yards per for catch went oh, down last year. Yeah. yeah, he went from 15.4 in 2018 to 12.4 in 2019. I honestly think that that's going to tick back up. Um, you know, play, play a little bit injured kind of coming back from that. But, yeah, I, I think he increases the yardage from – last year and i definitely think even if he doesn't get up to like the 9 10 range i think he's getting more than five you know seven eight would be great and then you're just talking about a guy that's going to pace himself the only guy that's going to be near him is, is kelsey in my opinion they're they're tiers above um andrews and, and Ertz. and then at that point you're getting him a whole round later than than kelsey sometimes a round and a half later than kelsey i think that value is uh really good at where it is and again this is going off of a lot of people think like kev and, and i definitely have drafts where i go with that Wait on tight end, wait on you just load up on the other two. And if you're in that draft where everyone's doing that, I think that's what pushes these guys past the ADP we're even talking about. So you're talking about later than what we're saying at the end of the second or early third. He can be a mid third. Um, you know, going back to Dak, he can be a fifth round or even early sixth round. So I think that's when you really capitalize on those when everybody's kind of fading those positions. So Robbie brought up the point of we've kind of just been we've been negative. We've been talking about all the guys that we don't want to draft at their ADP. So I'm going to switch up my answer. I did, I did originally have Darren Waller written down here. He's going in the fifth round. I can't do that, so I'll just leave it at that. But the the guy that I will talk about that uh, that I that I do love his ADP, love where he's going, and that is tight end Mike Gesicki out of tight end U at Penn State, going uh, going at tight end 14 at 10 11. If just look at what what options they have, they're going to be playing from behind a bunch. I don't think it really. I don't think it's going to matter too much whether it's Tua, and that's not looking super likely at this point. But especially if it's Fitzpatrick for the entire year, just all those DGAF YOLO balls. Uh, it's Preston Williams, it's Devontae Parker, and then who 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 do they have after that? That volume is going to have to go somewhere. We saw what this coaching staff did last year with Gasecki with moving him and putting him more in a slot and detaching him out wide versus what Adam Gase was doing, which Adam Gase gets a gets a super athletic tight end who could not block in college, and he decides, you know what, buddy? It's time for you to learn in your rookie year how to block. We're just going to line you up, attach you, to the, attach you to a tackle, and you are going to block. And that did not go well. So Mike Gusecki going there in the toward the toward the end of the 10th, love that ADP. Robbie, obviously, at the beginning of this, rattled off all the later round tight ends that, that each of us love. But here's another tight, late tight end option for you, Mike Gasecki. Kev, I, th- I think I know how you feel about Gasecki. Robbie, what say you? Yeah, I think Gasecki has just uh, just the ability to get like 85-ish targets. And I think for tight end, that's going to you know, have him as a, as a low end wide receiver one. If he, I think his, his catch percentage was kind of poor last year. I can't remember exactly, but um, I think if he just improves on that a little bit, um, I think you're, t- you're talking about a, a mid fifties catch uh, season for him. I haven't projected at 88 uh, targets, 56 receptions, 631 yards and five touchdowns. So that brings him in, you know, right at tight end 13 for me. So he's kind of right on that cusp and all these guys, you know, from tight end, 10 to like 18 are all like five points apart. So like tight end 13 is literally the same as tight end eight. It's a couple yards here or there. So 
Yeah, I think he absolutely has has that potential. Um, just because the Dolphins' defense did get better, but Fitz, Fitzpatrick airs it out, and I do not think they're going to go to Tua. At least from the training camp stuff we've been following, it's it's clear that that they've been struggling when uh, he and Rosen. Um, maybe not just struggling, but he's not in the same tier right now as Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it'll take a couple uh, of uh, Fitzy going full Fitzy on you with those three interception games for that to change. And I think, honestly, just Mike Gusecki's going to you know benefit from Fitzmagic being the quarterback there. You know, I, I could go so many different directions here. We've talked about so many tight ends, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna bring one to the table that uh you know the ADP I like is the undrafted ADP guys, the one that's not on anybody's radar, the one that's not being drafted anywhere, the one that is the tight end one on a on a pretty solid offense. Dan, oh, no. Dan motherfucking Arnold, okay? <laughs> Dan motherfucking Arnold. So listen, listen to this, okay? He is now the unquestioned tight end one in that offense. Is right? he? Uh, I thought Max Williams is running with the ones as, as a tight end one. Yes. Well, apparently you haven't following the news that we put out every day, but Max Williams is not even with the team right oh. now. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, he he is taking care of some some, some things. things. Okay. Okay. And yeah, I don't know, but regardless, I don't care if I don't I don't I don't care if Max Williams is there because Max Williams is a blocking tight end. He can he can do whatever he wants. Like he is not true. a receiving threat. He's not. So Dan Arnold is the receiving tight is the receiving tight end in that offense. I'm all about that life. I'm all about because they are going to spread that offense around. Uh, to spread the ball around. And so I think Dan Arnold is somebody that people should be paying attention to, okay? I think people, he's going to come out week one, haul in 60 yards and two tutties, and uh, people are going to be running to the waiver wire to pick up Dan Arnold. I like Dan Arnold. I think Dan Arnold is being slept on. I think he should be higher in people's rankings. I'm about that life. So at the very least, the very least, people need to at least be paying attention and monitoring Dan Arnold because it is Dan Arnold's season. We need to get another so you're bet. Saying, you're saying the, By the way, the and Dan game. Arnold is 3,500 on DraftKings for week one. So if people, you know. There it is. Throw a invest. little DFS there. Yeah, Kev, we're going to need to get another bet then since our uh, other one's already fallen through the cracks for you. I think we need to talk about Arnold's targets because I do not see it being over 40. 40 targets for him is kind of the max I see. Do you, do you see him getting a lot more involved in that offense past that? Or what's 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 – What's his road no, to success? I don't, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying I think he's going to get like 100 targets this year at all. Like I think. I think probably 60 targets, maybe. I think it's fair. Um, Three for 75 and a tutty every single week for Dan Arnold. Listen, he he. <laughs> and I don't, I don't. In all reality, he's not somebody that I would draft, but he is definitely somebody that I'd have on my radar. And certainly, if I'm streaming tight end on on certain matchups, like he's somebody that I would have some interest in because I do think that he is going to have somewhat of a role in this offense. Uh, like again, I think he is going to be the receiving tight end. Um, he is a super athletic dude, and his biggest problem when he was in New Orleans was, uh, you know, they not being I good. Don't... No, that was not. <laughs> I, I think I think it was some of it was. I think they had said that he uh, every every once in a while he would have laps in his concentration and he would run run the wrong route. Um, and so obviously that did not sit well with them. But I mean, they they picked him up off of restricted uh, as a restricted free. Or once they dropped him, they picked him up through waivers. And mm-hmm. I mean, he caught on pretty quickly late last year. I think he had two touchdowns in like two of the last four games. Uh, so you know, I like Dan Arnold as kind of just a late round guy. If you're in a super deep league, a 16 team league, you know those were that the the player pool gets uh, drained very quickly and there's not a lot of guys left. Like Dan Arnold is somebody that I would want to have on my roster and, and something like that. And, and it's traditional 12 team league. I'm not drafting Dan Arnold, but I'm definitely keeping an eye on him. I'll, I'll, I'll talk for, for scoop here. He's asking about Hayden Hurst. Um, Hayden Hurst is a guy that, you know, I, I could have easily put down on this list as some guy that I, I love where he's going. Honestly, he's down at tight end 11. We're talking 10th round. So I've seen some people reach for him, and that's the only times where I miss out on Hayden Hurst. He's a guy that, you know, just we, we, we've already talked about the Falcons offense like three different times tonight, but they're going to have 620 targets. And after Julio and after Calvin Ridley, it's a huge drop off. And so who's going to fill that void? And, and Matt Ryan loves his tight end. If you want to talk about a more athletic version of Austin Hooper, honestly, what I think is a better player than Austin Hooper that enter Hayden Hurst. And so, yeah, I think he's going to get, you know, 85-ish targets and just, you know, ball out with Matt Ryan, who who loves his tight end. So if you're – if you want an upside guy that you get late, 
uh, maybe not as late as we've been talking about with some of these other guys, but like maybe a mid mid to late kind of round guy that can easily finish, you know, top six, top seven in tight end. Uh, Hayden Hurst, the guy for me. Love that. Yeah, Hurst is going in the 10th round in 10-team leagues, and he's going at 809 in 12-team leagues, which which I don't mind, but if you draft him at 809, like you are you are saying like for sure that he is just stepping into that Austin Hooper role and he's going to get the, the same opportunity and the same target, which I, I definitely believe he can. Uh, I, th- I think he's definitely the, the more athletic tight end versus Hooper, even if they're – their combined results don't bear that out as much, but if you watch them, I just think Hayden Hurst just moves better. Um, Matt Ryan has already come out and he said on a couple of different different occasions that that's something that really jumped out to him, which is how well he moved his athleticism. So Hayden Hurst is definitely somebody to to keep an eye on. And this is this is another instance where I feel like in your in your home leagues in your general you know Buffalo Wild Wings just grabbing the stickers and just looking, looking down the list of your, you know, your ESPN top 300 that he, he might go later than this tight end 11 spot. So I, th- I think in, in, in your home leagues, I think he's going to be a better value than where he's currently going at eight Oh nine boys. We, uh, we, we did it. We talked about fucking training camp and Dak Prescott for, for 25 minutes. And then we somehow banged the rest of that out. And we, we finished under two and a half hours, you know, <laughs> how our how our pace was looking early on uh you guys have anything else you want to say any other uh any other tidbits you uh you you want to you want to get off here i'll just go quickly i think the the biggest thing and, and kev hit it with one of his points is to make sure you're being you're being fluid with some of your thoughts like don't don't get stuck in what you thought about a player for multiple years and a great example for me is keenan allen i've been a huge keenan allen guy I've loved him for, for years and years, but I have to kind of pull the reins back a little bit because that information has changed and that offense has changed. So just kind of think about either guys you've really disliked or guys you've really liked and just kind of maybe maybe listen to a pod that has the opposite view, take in that information and, and adjust where you need to adjust. But also if you feel like you're really strong on that opinion, you know, and you have reasons to back it up, I think that's the big thing. It's fine to kind of stay put but i think making sure you take in the other side of that land or the other side of the argument is is a good thing to do especially around draft season i don't know what you're talking about sammy Watkins is still going to be a top 24 wide receiver this year <laughs> if Devonte adams can do it anyone can kev any uh, any last parting thoughts words of wisdom you know since since you are since you are the father any fatherly advice that you want to you want to give out since you know you came in strutting your stuff said daddy's home any any fatherly advice what any words of wisdom real quick emmy 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 award winner carl jr in the building sammy wills up if an emmy award winner three time three time three time emmy award winner is saying sammy wills up you can't he he has he has trophies carl jr david Berger of uh of dialed in podcast fame sammy wills up that's the second First reference all, for said podcast. If you ever well. interrupt me again like that, you will be grounded. Okay, you never interrupt me. I will meet you. This is my second beer. What are you gonna do, Dad? <laughs> I think you've had too much. I'm not going to bed till one in the morning. All, I, all I'm gonna say is this. All I'm gonna say is this: is do not draft a quarterback early. Ever do not draft a quarterback early in the, in the top in the top five rounds of a draft ever don't do it and do not draft i'll say it again i've said it on the other shows and i'll say it again we're going to keep hammering this point home until people understand it you do not draft larry fitzgerald and all those bums in the later rounds you draft upside if i see anybody drafted any of those dudes just 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 don't talk to me okay because those guys are a wasted pick they're they're gonna get you like two or three. You know, they'll, they'll, you know they'll have like four or five weeks. Where they'll they'll get you some production and everything else. They'll make you feel all warm inside. But there's no upside. The upside's gone. When you're in the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, we're we're looking for for championships, boys. We're we're it's championship hunting season, right? We we don't we don't win championships by your draft, of course, but you certainly can lose it. And so that's all I'm gonna say. Let's win championships. That's what we're here for, right, boys and girls, is to, is to win championships, win that money, whether it's in DFS, Dy- well, whoever plays Dynasty, and, and, and season-long leagues, okay? 
So let, let's do it. Let's uh, let, let's win some championships. Follow along. Hit that subscribe button if you're on YouTube or wherever you're at, wherever you listen to this, this at. And let's win some championships. Let's go. Trying to fuck with Hollywood code I'm with Marla G, bro Flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows And I wanna tell you something that you probably should know This that slumdog millionaire Bollywood flow And uh, my real friends never hearing from me Fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me That's why I pick and choose I don't get shit confused I got a small circle I'm not with different crews We walk the same path But got on different shoes Live in the same building but we got different views i got a couple cars i never get to use don't like my women single i like my chicks and twos and these days all the girls is down the road i hit the strip club and all them bitches find a pole plus i've been sipping so this shit is moving kind of slow just tell my girl to tell a friend that it's time to go now tell me how you love it You know you at the top and on the heavens right above it We own It's your money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it, run from it, motherfucker Alright Now somebody show some money in this bitch And I got my bees with me like some honey in this bitch Shit dick I got my gun in my boot purse And I don't bust back because I shoot Meet me on the fresh train Yes, I'm in the building You just on the list of guest names And all of my riders do not give a fuck X Games Guns turn you boys into pussies Sex change And I smoke till I got chest pains And you niggas know I rep my gang like Jesse James Women are possessive And they wanna possess Wayne I've been fly so long I fell asleep on the fucking plane Skinny pants and some vans Call me Triple A, get my advance in advance Amen, as the world spinning dance in my hands Life is a beach, I'm just playing in the sand uh, Wake up and smell a pussy You niggas can't see me, but never overlook me I'm on the paper trail and ain't no telling where it took me Yeah, and I ain't a killer, but don't push me Now no, tell me how you love it You know you at the top and on the heavens right above it We own It's young money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it, run from it, motherfucker Alright, now somebody show some money in this bitch And I got my bees with me like some honey in this bitch Shit, yeah. I got my gun in my boot purse And I don't bust back because I shoot first was never said Beautiful black woman I bet that bitch look better red Limping off tour Cause I made more off my second leg Motherfucking Birdman Junior 11th grade Ball on automatic start I can hand it to Drake I do a quarterback draw Wildcat offense Check the paw prints We in the building You niggas in apartments uh, not, not come on me my blood donor Flow so nice You ain't gotta put a rug on her do it big and let the small fall under that Damn, where you stumbled at? From where they make gumbo at? Hang, got the fucking beat jumping like a jumping jack And you know me, I get on this bitch and have a heart attack Hip-hop, I'm the heart of that Nigga, nothing short of that President Carter, Young Money Democrat uh, Now tell me how you love it